0: I think in a, in a funny way all of my experience with anxiety has kind of prepared me for this in that I understand the anxiety completely it makes complete sense to me and that's kind of what I want to get across to other people who who maybe for whom it's like a new feeling right now.
1: Welcome to Girls With Goals. I'm Neve Marr. Welcome to episode 133 of the show an episode 10 or 11, maybe, in lockdown. I've kind of lost count, to be honest with you, but I do hope that in years to come, my grandchildren or my great-grandchildren will listen to this and be like, God... My Nana was very productive during lockdown, so I must go and visit her. Right. That was a tangent on the show this week. We are catching up with Mark Prendergast of Codaline. So Codaline are releasing their fourth album One Day at a Time on June 12th. We're going to be talking about the new single Saving Grace. We're also going to be talking about the guilt of having coronavirus. Mark actually did have it and how he dealt with that and also the future of the music industry and the gig economy as well. So that's coming up later on. But first, Working from home, we're all doing it, obviously, and have been doing it. It uh, brings stress and anxiety with it as well. So LinkedIn have actually commissioned some research about the mental health impact on workers during lockdown. So there are some really surprising and some concerning statistics that have come out of this research, but also some positives that I think we can all take from too. So to talk about this and more, I was joined by best-selling author and podcaster, Caroline Ford. Earlier on today, uh, she's a journalist and someone who I know and who I've known for years as well. So I always really enjoy catching up with her. So take a listen. Caroline Foran, you're very welcome. It's been an age. Too long. Not too long, absolutely. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, obviously I explained there in the intro. Uh, number one best selling author of various books at this stage. You've written extensively about anxiety and we're here to talk about this new research that's uh, come out from linkedin so really fascinating but i just think it's interesting because at this point you know it's we're entering week nine week 10 now of lockdown and it's 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 mad like i can't believe that it's gone this quickly as well i feel like it's very fast for some people and then very slow for other people but it's the working from home that I think is is the most interesting thing that jumped out to me about this but before we get into that like how Mm -hmm. how have you how have you been coping have
0: you been dealing with anxiety yourself during lockdown tell us a bit about that I think in in a funny way all of my experience with anxiety has kind of prepared me for this in that I understand the anxiety completely. It makes complete sense to me. And that's kind of what I want to get across to other people who, who maybe for whom it's like a new feeling right now is that, you know, it's so incredibly normal and everything that we're feeling and facing is so valid and, you know, so warranted. So for me, I, I, even though I I was, I was feeling anxiety about things like not being able to see, family and friends and obviously I'm, I'm well it's not obvious but you can if I I'm pregnant so <laughs> I know um, congratulations as well thank you. so I'm in my seventh month now so that's kind of had brings its own kind of obviously like anxieties where you're sort of in, 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 in it's a bit untethered and if you're facing the unknown um but I think overall I've coped I've had a couple of days where I've really just like hit a wall and just cried and been like you know what I'm just not able for it and actually they those have been really good days because I've released the, the tension and the anxiety and the cortisol instead of trying to suppress it which only makes it you know bubble up later on in opportune time um, i've I've had bad days and I've just allowed myself to have them and and then you kind of you adapt again so like I'm just I'm so familiar with our ability to adapt and I think we underestimate that all the time but we've all adapted even if we think we're struggling we have adapted so well to such a bizarre scenario. I think we have and I think it's really
1: good to kind of note that and remain positive when it comes to even talking about the struggles that people are having. Because, you know, like on the show, we we have been covering that pressure of productivity that a lot of people are are facing at the moment. And you know, I think that we have to take a bit of responsibility because obviously we're engaging in a lot more things. We feel like we need to be baking a lot. We feel like we need to be exercising. (laughs) Yeah, like crazy, crazy things that we'd never would have spoken about as much that everybody is speaking about. But I think you're in quite a unique position as well because, you know, prior to lockdown, you you do work for yourself. And so you're very used to kind of making sure that you hit uh, whatever amount of work you need to hit in a day. I feel like some people are struggling because a lot of people are now being forced to be productive in a working day on their own and it's spilling out. And like, I know some of the research that LinkedIn have released is that people are putting in like an extra 38 hours, uh, in, in a month, which amounts to a full extra week of work. And I know it's something that I struggle with personally. So, I mean, it's a mad start to kind of
0: take in it is it's it's definitely shocking um for me I've worked from home for a couple of years now but there was definitely and first of all it was my choice to work from home whereas for so many people they've just been thrust into this scenario they haven't been able to they haven't had time to adjust or to even realize that it was a decision they wanted to make you know it's not been a decision people have been able to make for themselves it's been a we have no choice but to do this and for me when I first started working from home I was facing all of the challenges that are now coming up for everyone in, in, in pandemic in terms of the blurred boundaries between work and home this pressure because you know we're so used to being at our desk for at least eight hours a day that when we're at home we feel that if we're not doing that work we feel guilty we feel like we're not being productive and obviously that's all you know tenfold twentyfold now in the pandemic and um, so for me I it's been It's been strange, I suppose, um, having like my husband at home because he's used to be, he uh, he struggled with it as well. Um, But for me, I definitely had gotten used to it and there's a couple of things that I would have learned through my sort of adapt uh, adapting into working from home that would be really helpful now Um, but obviously you know not only are you adapting to working from home you have the added anxiety of like the health anxiety you know financial anxiety the worry about um you know which has come up in the research a lot of people worried about how to prove that they're you know active online and that they're really useful to their company so that they they hold on to their jobs afterwards so there's an there's an awful it's a perfect storm of anxiety and that it makes complete sense to me to see these stats that say people are struggling with concentrating and you know feeling like they need to be just online all the time because we want to prove our worth and that's that's so hard to do it
1: really is and I think you know it's funny because we're so deep into it now that I feel like like you said earlier you know Irish people and you know people around the world are adapting to this like new normal as as everybody says now what i find interesting is that you know a lot of people are afraid and this research does show that as well about kind of post lockdown and as in knowing that the end is coming to this but not necessarily knowing what's coming down the line so there's the fear of you know whether or not the job is going to be safe after all of this is over there's also the kind of I saw some of the stats which I found really interesting was that you know people coming back do want more flexible hours and do like they're kind of looking at things differently but I suppose this kind of comes down to it comes down to a little bit of control issues lack of control not knowing what's going to happen and i think when people have had anxiety anxiety. yeah that's it yeah and when people have had anxiety and and understand that and like like obviously you've written the book on it you know it's about i suppose trying to get your head around knowing that we're we're not going to know what's going to come next
0: yeah so for me with when you're facing any anxiety and obviously, like regardless of the pandemic, it's really important to understand anxiety, what it is, why you're feeling it, how normal it is. And when it comes to the pandemic, if you look at what we're facing and the kind of characteristics or very obvious triggers of anxiety, we have it all. So we have this fear of the unknown because nobody can tell us, not even the people who are leaving our country can know for sure what's going on. And any sense of being out of control is always going to make us feel anxious. So that's a given. We we have this feeling of um when you feel anxious, and stress at all it's often a case of you feel like you as an individual don't have the resources within you to meet the stress that you're being faced with and of course as a person you don't have the resources within you to take on a pandemic so that's another thing and there's the change of routine which just throws people off because we're so like humans love routine we love all that so we have all these characteristics that drive anxiety at the best of times and we have them all at once in the pandemic So before you even get on to talking about how to sort of cope with working from home or how to manage the anxiety or how to address the the symptoms of anxiety if you're feeling them, you have to understand and allow for the anxiety in the first place. You know, it's it's so normal right now. We feel we feel under threat, you know, we feel under threat physically from the virus in case we get it or in case our loved ones get, but it's also an emotional threat, a threat, a threat to our sense of self-worth with our job, a threat to our sense of security. And then I think when you add, you have in the mix also for a lot of people for whom it's new is the fear of the fact that they're feeling anxious and they're like, oh Jesus, I thought I was able to cope and I'm not and I don't understand why I'm feeling panicked sitting in my so- at my sofa. So before we talk about anything like, you know, what you, how you can maybe have a bit of a better setup at home, you have to just be really self-compassionate and allow for the fact that we are in the middle of a pandemic, if, if you just get through the day, that's fine. If being really productive makes you feel really good, that's fine. If having a Netflix day where you, you just write it off and you catch up on your work later, that's fine as well. But trying not to feel the anxiety is not going to help anyone right now. If we can't solve the problem, all we can control is our reaction to it. And we do have power there. And that was, that was the switch for you,
1: wasn't it? Like when you kind of decided, okay, anxiety and, and what it is that I'm going through, I can't allow this to be uh, kind of infiltrating my life in the way it was so you just stop fighting it and you just let it arrive you let it come and that was a massive switching point for you in in living with anxiety as opposed to trying to combat it and trying to beat it wasn't it
0: Oh, that was the absolute turning point for me. And I think so many things that I was reading, and I think there's so much we we all want to be, you know, functioning really well right now, but there's such an obsession with trying to make something better or make something work. And sometimes the best thing we can do is just to let it be. Like we will come out of this, things will go back to normal eventually, or whatever the new normal will be. But right now, you kind of have to ride along with it. And when you stop resisting something, you know, you stop creating that further tension in your body and you actually bring down that cortisol. And for me, when it comes to anxiety, It's all about understanding what's happening in your body. So we have an excess of cortisol production because of all those threats that I said we're facing and that fear of the unknown and the lack of knowing of control. And so instead of trying to make that go away, which is you know a hormonal, your body's trying to protect you and you should be grateful that it's doing so, it's doing its job. And if we didn't have that response, we wouldn't have gotten as far as we've gotten so far in life or you know even in terms of like evolution we, we are like the, the survivors of people who were really worried back in the day and the people who were really worried are the ones who survived. So in a way, it's kind of a, it's a superpower almost. So I think it's really important to yeah to allow for it and accept it and say, okay, I address it and label it so I'm feeling anxious it doesn't feel nice I don't want to feel this way but I understand why I'm feeling this way it makes sense and if I try and work with it rather than working against it which is my whole approach instead of trying to cure it or make it go away which just because if you sit there trying to make it go away okay and you're like oh I'm going to sit down now and meditate and if I don't feel better in 10 minutes then you're thinking what the hell is wrong with me why why haven't and then of course you go back to your desk and you're not productive or you're not able to concentrate so I think one of the the biggest things for people especially when it comes to this work from home anxiety is just accept it and then try and say okay it's there don't really like it and now what can I do to make it even a little bit better yeah and I mean I,
1: I feel like kind of studies like this that uh companies like LinkedIn and Um, are doing because I actually interviewed one of the kind of head HR directors there Lisa Finnegan before and she she has a very kind of calming way about her and I think it's great when companies are able to realize and understand and provide other companies with this kind of research because it's really important to know that the workers of which of course you know, work still needs to get done, so we still need to do work, and companies obviously want the best out of employees but that's that's a constant that's not necessarily due to this and I think that if companies are understanding how much something like this can be affecting workers that's a really good step to take as well and also one of the things that really stuck out to me was um kind of the the difference in terms of the gender difference, like a lot of men, like I think it was 61% of men admitted to feeling uh, stressed out due to this working from home situation. And again, like we've spoken about this in the past, the fact that it is harder for men sometimes to kind of come out and speak about their feelings uh, because, you know, historically, you know, that was never, the, the place wasn't really open for them to talk about. I do think that's changing and it's incredible, but definitely some interesting statistics about how hard it is for men to struggle with this anxiety.
0: Yeah, I wasn't surprised to see that at all, because I think for men in particular, um, like you say, first of all, you have the problem of, of men having struggled to vocalize it because of these traditional you know, measures of masculinity and what it means to be a man. I think women are more, we're more outward. We talk about things. So we will be more familiar with feeling a little bit untethered or feeling a little bit uncertain. So in a way, like that's kind of provided a little bit of, truth. I mean, this is very, I'm obviously generalizing here. Of course, yeah. Um, but for and then for for a lot of men, you know they're very inward uh, and they you know they don't necessarily want to talk about their their emotions and they're used to feeling so with it and everything's fine and now this the threat the threat for them is almost the anxiety itself. I think that they're like, whoa, I didn't expect to feel this way and i had a, I was talking to a friend in New York who you know, he was always like the most confident kind of lad and just like didn't really think mental health was a thing because it never was a problem for him. And then he went through a couple of things and then the pandemic happens. It was kind of just a a storm in a teacup, a massive storm in a large mug. And he was like, I didn't think I was capable of feeling anxious or feeling this way or the, the fear that people feel that they might like fall apart or something is something that I think men can't rationalize but we're all vulnerable you know man woman CEO intern we're all vulnerable and when we accept that vulnerability and we lean into it and we say okay we allow for it things get an awful lot easier
1: yeah definitely there another couple of things that kind of stood out to me and I think it's interesting you were talking about somebody there who you had, had always kind of thought was like very much together and stuff like that I think you know people are not only feeling anxiety and stress um there's the added aspect of loneliness and people struggling with, you know, these new scenarios that they're in. Like you said, you know, earlier not being able to necessarily see your family as much. And I suppose like what advice would you have for people who are kind of struggling with those new feelings of, stress, anxiety, but also just not adapting in a way that they feel is is sufficient. Because at the same time, like we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to anybody else because, you know it's very easy for me if I'm having a really lonely day, you know, luckily I, I live with a very loving partner and I feel very lucky in the situation that I'm in, but you know, I feel lonely sometimes because I miss my, my mom and I don't get to yeah. talk or see my brother and stuff like that. And I know that they're only a phone call away. There's a lot of people who aren't in that situation. And so it's almost like they're trying to deal with that on top of say the added stress that's coming from work, you know, so yeah. it can be First a bit fuck. of a clusterfuck.
0: Yeah, there is no right way there's no blueprint for how to handle this or how to be coping well I mean we're all just trying to get through the day and that's the most important thing I think it's really important that if people start to feel lonely that they do pick up the phone and reach out or pick you know get on zoom it's not ideal but it's the it's the next best thing that we have and talk through it because I've had you know I felt really kind of silly almost to be like you know I'm turning 32 in a couple of weeks and I was like on the phone to my mom crying being like I just really want my mommy and you know, I felt just, I have my incredibly supportive husband here, but I just needed some mammying like before I became a mammy myself. And I felt kind of silly, but you know what, just just talking to her and her saying, oh, like that's okay. Like, you know, it's, it is hard and, and allowing yourself, like giving yourself permission to feel things like maybe you don't feel like you have a right to feel because you think, oh, well, I'm very fortunate. I'm very privileged. Oh, I have a job. Like some people don't have a job. Some people are on the front line. I'm, I'm not, I'm not an essential worker. I have a roof over my head whatever you're feeling is valid and it's really important to label it and and put it out there because I think it grows arms and legs if you don't address it and and also from a biological standpoint it's what starts as a little molehill of of a little bit of oh I feel a bit low or I feel a bit anxious just starts to kind of grow so for me and I know again that I know that's harder for men yeah but I think we've been put into a situation where we've been forced to try and you know and hopefully it'll stand to us there'll be a positive that will come out of this that we've we've had to say you know what I don't feel okay right now I don't feel okay today tomorrow might be a different scenario but I'm going to talk about it and so I I mean there is a lot of positives that have come from the research as well which I think is really important to highlight and and for me definitely like being at home well I was already at home I mean I would have been out and about for meetings and stuff but having my husband at home through pregnancy has been in some ways really amazing because I haven't been feeling great and he's been able to be there you know not that he's enjoyed having to get me breakfast every single morning So I'm like I'm not looking for this bed in case I throw up but we've had lots of time together before we've had lunch together every day you know we've had lots of time together before the baby comes along and and we've been able to like really work on our communication as well so I think that's there's a a lot of good things as well and obviously like you don't have to commute and you've got more time to think about you know, what's working for you. And, and then going forward, the, the research that is I found really interesting was that people, as much as it seems like we're all struggling, we're actually like, hang on, I can make this work for me, you know, to have that more flexible, I guess, I call it work-life blending more so than work-life balance. balance yes. and that is a, a quote from a woman called Wendy Murphy, who also works in LinkedIn, who I interviewed years ago, who just said she gave up on the idea of work-life balance long time ago because just the nature of her job wouldn't allow for it and I think now when we're working from home we don't have office eight hours home life whatever hours until we go to bed you have to be a little bit more flexible and willing to kind of lean into the work when you're doing it and lean out of it when you're not and have the confidence to say I'm working now I'm not working now so that's been one of the things uh, for me that I suppose my husband has become good at is, is like and having the confidence to say, Do you know what, I'm, I'm going to not work this morning. I'm going to you know, go for my run or whatever, and then I'm going to shift my day forward. Now, obviously, that, that it has to be said that that depends on a, an employer being willing to be flexible with you. But that kind of brings me to the next point is that it's really important to have effective communication with your employers to help you navigate through this. And realize that they're humans as well. And, you know, as much as it might seem like sometimes people just care about the bottom line, we have to assume that people are compassionate and want to look after their staff. And if you broach the subject of saying, okay, do you know what? I have kids at home and find this tough. I might start my day a little bit earlier and get things done. I might take two or three hours in the middle of the day to like do homeschooling. And then I might pick it back up later all you can do is broach the topic and have the conversation. Um, and then I think what's really amazing is that we're realizing that we've, we're proving that we can work from home. So going forward, a lot of really progressive companies like LinkedIn, I'm sure, are are willing to work with their staff to say, well, do you actually need to be in the office every day, nine to five? Um, and that will improve people's mental health massively because they they, they have that flexibility to make because your home life is, isn't just a, so much of a priority as is your work life. And um, so, so, yeah, that's really that's one of the really good things to come from the research that people are confident that actually maybe we don't need to stick with this old kind of style way of working all the time.
1: Absolutely. And I love that you kind of went positive as well, because, you know, it is a shitty time for a lot of people. But I do think that like I was reading in some of the research there it said that like a fifth of, of female um, respondents said that they've made really deep personal um, connections that potentially weren't there before they've like, it's really affected the kind of relationships that they're putting more time into. And that's a really good positive. Like, and what you were saying there about broaching subjects with your boss, if you are struggling, I mean, it, throughout my entire career, whenever I've had real anxiety about like approaching a subject with a superior, Nine times out of ten, I had built it up to be a bigger deal in my head and it was grand. And like you said, they're people too. And so if you're struggling with something, you know, have a chat with them, be honest with them, tell them because
0: they're they're going through it as well. And so it's really good to have that communication. I think one of the reasons why people's communication and relationships are maybe improving despite the distance is because we're realizing that we're all vulnerable. Like like I said, like whether you're CEO or whether you're intern level, we're all struggling through this, we're all trying to cope. And when you lean into that vulnerability and think, like you said there, like when you go to talk to your to your manager, saying, "John, finding this tough," they're not from another planet. They're huge. They have their own vulnerabilities. They're worrying, oh, how am I coming across to the to people that I manage? And when you stop seeing your vulnerability as weakness and start seeing it as as strength, you you instantly create better connections with people because you you know, and also a willingness to be vulnerable doesn't negate professionalism we're not walking around here saying i'm crying in the middle of a zoom meeting and you know i'm i'm losing it all together there is room for both there is room to be and actually do you know what i had this this um realization the other day i, I had a meeting with um, two men from one from germany and one from here about a, a, a project i was working on and it was over zoom and i had just moments before the call gotten sick from the morning sickness and I was like oh my god Christ how am I going to do this and you know I have to be very professional and I have to look very well and everything and I was like okay I'm just, I just, I just trying to pat on a bit of Charlotte Tilbury after now. I looked like a corpse and when I got on they're like oh how are you it just came out of me and I just said do you know what not great to be honest like really struggling with the morning sickness this today and um, so like oh I kind of made a joke about how I looked a little bit um puce and I said anyway look I feel a little bit better now let's get stuck in and I don't know how they reacted to that. They maybe, maybe they felt uncomfortable or maybe they didn't even bat an eyelid. But I thought it was really important to be like, there is room to be human and be vulnerable. Like, for, for example, here we are having a professional conversation. I, you know, the doorbell could ring. My dog could start going mad. I was Absolutely. going go exercise and I was like, stop banging on the seat. So we have to allow for that human breaking down of those barriers of like professional and human can still be professional. And you can still be productive and you can still achieve everything, like just because I was you know vocalizing that I was having a hard time with my pregnancy to these men who maybe were like, "Oh what's this about?" didn't stop me from getting my job done. It yeah. just maybe appealed to their vulnerability as well. and then I actually feel like our conversation, our communication has been more has been a little bit better and more real for that as well. so yeah. and that's another kind of positive to have come from it. We, we're all in this together and we all know it's tough, so we're all able to say. Let's just all give each other a break.
1: Definitely, and we're like letting our bosses and our colleagues into our homes as well on a personal level, which we never had of done before. Which I think is so interesting. Yeah. Um, I suppose for our audience, Carling, so I'm going to let you go soon because I know that um, you're busy and you've got lots to Not do. That busy. <laughs> Um, I wanted to ask a little bit of, just maybe give your advice because like you and I, you know, we, we've known each other for years and our careers. Um, funnily enough, we're kind of at the same, like we worked in the same place once years ago, but they've obviously gone very different directions. Our audience, you know, a lot of people are very young. And I think that people who are at different stages in their career are dealing with things obviously and kind of experiencing different levels of anxiety about the future of work and how they're going to do because i know like like i worked through the recession in 2008 2009 it was such a difficult time and i've always i've I've referenced that a lot of the times being like you know i worked as a journalist through the worst time to be a journalist in a time that journalists were really needed and it was very difficult but I also thought that it kind of developed my career and developed my work ethic quite a lot like this is a really difficult time for creators for freelancers for people in the media for lots of different industries who say are potentially just out of college or haven't even finished college yet I mean it's a scary time for them in their career and and what kind of advice would you have for them uh, in terms of when things get back to normal, how to persevere and maybe try to stay positive?
0: It's a really good question and it's I really wish I had like a very simple, sugar coated, straightforward answer. And it does remind me of when I came out of college as well. And so I finished my undergrad in 2009 and obviously their session was in full swing then and I just thought, okay, I picked possibly the worst kind of industry to, to try and make it into. But I think it's really important to take this time now to accept that okay, things are not happening. But maybe use it as an opportunity to decide like well what do you actually want to do and how important is doing what you do that makes you feel good versus earning loads of money and use it as almost like a trial run to maybe you know so what I did and this is impossible for everyone but what I did was I decided I was going to give myself a year um after my master's and I was going to just I I was very lucky and I have to say this I was very lucky because I was able to live at home at the time and and I, I worked part-time in like a shoe shop just to kind of keep me going um, and I said I'm going to try different like internships or just try and slap myself in somewhere to see not only not only to kind of build contacts and stuff but to see do I actually like this and sometimes realizing what you don't want to do is more helpful than thinking about what you do want to do and um, so I gave myself that year and it really it wasn't until I kind of did those things and started to realize where my strengths were. Um, and and really like establishing very clear boundaries with the people with whom I was doing that work. That look, I'm here to learn. I, this is what I need to get out of it. I'm not just here to like. Make coffees and teas. No, I want to be helpful. I, I wanted to prove my like indispensability, and that's how I ended up getting a job. Then I I was like, bang! I was in entertainment.e was my first kind of big job, and um, I I sort of thought this is something I think I could do. I think I'd like to do it, and I I just kind of didn't take no for an answer. And I thought, okay, how could I be helpful here? What ha, just try to kind of think outside the box of Mika. Okay, there's no role for me right now, but what can I do that might you know, I was writing content that maybe that they they weren't covering and happy to do so because then I was, it was always going to be valuable to me, you know, to do that. Um, And then uh, things like they were going off and doing junket interviews and and with movie stars and they were so busy. And I was like, well, let me prepare all the research for you to make your life a little bit easier. And this might've been like an hour of my day. It's not like, it's not me. I wasn't committing my whole life to it. And then luckily enough, when someone eventually went traveling and someone went to have a baby, when it came to what we have this role to fill, I was kind of top of mind when I got in there. So I, I would say be open to thinking of ways in and around, trying to create opportunities where you mightn't think they exist. Um, and being confident enough to kind of get in touch and say, listen, look, I know things that we're obviously, no one's fooling themselves into the situation that we're, there's plenty of opportunities right now, but what how can you make it work for you? What do you want to do? How can you gain something for yourself? How can you almost like exploit the situation to say, okay, I'm gonna give this maybe two months i'm going to come away with these many contacts i'm going to get this referral i'm going to have learned a particular skill and just to be really like hustle i mean hustle is is everything like it's it's what i feel like i do best now because you know through pandemics or recessions or whatever you have to be able to think that way think and this is obviously relative to being in a creative industry which is what all you and i know really um but yeah to just i suppose and just to go back to that that fact of allowing for the for the fact that you're gonna everyone's gonna feel anxiety right now and there's a lot of competition and it's not just like those anxieties aren't you know I can't just say oh just don't feel that way because they're not they're not untrue they're not just in your head like a lot of the time with anxieties it's like oh is that actually a factor is it opinion And, and sometimes it's just opinion and conjecture and it's all wrapped up in anticipation but when it comes to the pandemic and the economy right now they're very tangible real anxieties and we can't really make them Go away, we can't really solve them, so we need to try and think, okay, well, this I can't change this, but what can I do, and how can I make this work for me, and how can how can I work around it and I think to to have that more flexible thinking will always stand to you, and I think it'll be obviously you know it's it's so incredibly hard for people, but like for you and I, coming out of that time in the recession, it was the best training we could have gotten, possibly to not be just handed something and told. Oh, you know, we have to work hard. We have to always prove our our value, and not to the extent that it's going to be that detrimental to your mental health. But yeah. but do so in a way that still puts you first.
1: Absolutely! Oh my god, I feel I feel really inspired. I feel like a graduate, Carol. <laughs> you got me going. I'm going to go for all the new jobs. Go for it. <laughs> So before you go owning it, obviously the confidence kit, uh, your podcast, owning it, if anybody wants to go and check it out, absolutely smashing it, by the way, loving the content during lockdown as well.
0: And Naked, tell me about what's coming up for you as well. Yeah so I had written my third book and it was due to come out next week and then with the bloody pandemic as usual and that's one of the days I actually had a big old cry and felt really sorry for myself and thought oh I'm how dare I cry when people are forward. Do you know what it was relevant to me it was my anchor for the year and yeah. felt like the came out from underneath me but it's been pushed till January and um, which is a good time I guess for those kind of that the nature of the kind of stuff that I write about and um, but really it, as you probably guess from the conversation we've had the focus of that book is really all about vulnerability and the power of vulnerability and stop thinking of it as a weakness but start seeing it as a strength because my life changed and my career changed and everything changed infinitely for the better when i made that sort of mindset switch so it's this it's called naked it, 10 truths to change your life and each there's, there's 10 different truths and each truth offers sort of like um, a behavioral or a thought or cognitive distortion or kind of thing that we're all we're all kind of capable of feeling such as I feel that someone else's success takes for mine which is a big one for me that I've struggled with it's not a nice thing to admit but it's hard when you know with social comparison you're thinking oh someone's success makes you feel bad about yourself and then I try to dive like kind of dive into the psychology of that why is that And for example with that it comes back to a fear of scarcity and that's something we're feeling now as well, because there's less opportunities to sphere, mm-hmm. scarcity, evolution, I'm completely rambling off now. Um, so I kind of try to help people understand why they're feeling a certain way and um, why it makes sense and then offer a truth and a, and a path to maybe make life a little bit easier for them through that with the 10 different truths. So it's again, like the other books, very, you know, digestible and you can dip into different sections. And hopefully, I really hope it resonates with people, especially after everything we've been through this year. Absolutely. Well, digestible
1: is the perfect word, I think, to describe the content that you make, because it, it truly is. Like I, I even, like there's post-its and stuff like that in the books that you have, because oh. it's honestly, like it really does. It's, it's so easy to consume. And I just think that, yeah, January 2021, then naked, I can't wait to get my hands on that. It's gonna be fantastic. Oh, and so. and everything as well, for people who are listening um, to the podcast, everything that we spoke about there, all the research from LinkedIn is gonna be in an editorial on site on her.e So go over and you can check that out. But Caroline, as always, an absolute pleasure. And as soon as this is all over, I can't I wait to meet, to meet up you with you in person. And yeah, you'll you'll have a little full-time I'll mascot little, with you as well. Know,
0: a little manine, you know? oh my God, it will be crazy. So, so exciting. Thanks for having me and thank you for the chat
1: massive thank you to Caroline Foren there. Thank you as always for chatting to me and best of luck. I'm so excited for you to have your baby. So yeah, just unbelievable insights as always from Caroline there and really looking forward to the new book, which will be coming out in January, 2021. Um, So that's called Naked. So yeah, really looking forward to that. Right. I'm going to leave you with this interview earlier on in the week. I caught up with Mark Prendergast, who is the guitarist for Codeline. They have their fourth album, One Day at a Time. Which is going to be released on June 12th. Saving Grace is the latest single that's going to be coming out with that as well. You can watch the video online if you want to go and uh, look at it on YouTube. It's a beautiful song and a really, really beautiful video as well, which is all fans in lockdown. So, of course a different way to to do a music video, but very, very interesting. And Mark, you know, I I mentioned earlier on in my intro, he actually tested positive for COVID-19. So we caught up on how he's been getting on and a few of the feelings of guilt that he was experiencing during that as well. So I'm going to leave you with this. Thank you so much for listening this week. And we will catch you next week. So the new album, One Day at a Time, is being released June 12th. So uh, interesting time to be releasing new music. Can you um, tell us a little bit about the album and what fans can expect from the sound?
2: Yeah, well, the album, it's the first time that the four of us have come together um, without any other people taking part. So no producers or songwriters, which we did a bit of just to kind of experiment on album three and a little bit around two and so this time we just kind of clocked the doors and we just said right before we're still going to do it uh, Jay is going to produce it and um, we kind of started it in January last year and in between tours and festivals and different things we just go into the studio for like a week and we were working like Monday to Friday which was a revelation let me tell you it's amazing Um, so we, we kind of got to still live our very normal lives in parallel with making an album which we've never done before. So normally you kind of, like it's not a bad thing. You go away to lovely places and make an album, but it can be quite it can completely take over your life. Like you're talking six weeks to two months of nothing else, you know, working up until the early hours in the morning and then getting up and going straight to it. and um, which was also a lot of fun. But I think this time around it's our fourth album. We just kind of wanted to try something different. And I think. When you're given the opportunity to go away every weekend and then come back here with fresh ears, you have a much, much clearer like, picture of, you know, if what you're doing is good or not. So, Mondays you come in and you listen to what you've done the last weekend. You just know straight, you just make decisions much quicker, if that makes sense. And it's just nice that it's, it, we're recording in dawn of eight, So, like, you just get in the car and like, like a like, nice commute to the studio and just make songs, drink tea and talk shite. And then you end up with an album.
1: Were you apprehensive? about it just being the four of you? Were you a little bit nervous about, I mean, it sounds like it all went really well, but I mean, were you nervous about potentially like that, it getting a little bit monotonous or any kind of amplified bickering that may have occurred?
2: That's a lovely way of putting it. I think I was afraid that, because no, normally when there's like a fifth person there, be it the a producer or an engineer, when there's someone else in the room, we kind of act a bit differently, do you know what I mean? Which can be positive and uh, it be beneficial, but there was some, like, I was kind of nervous about it for like, I don't even know if I was nervous about it. Like, it's kind of tough to go out without a producer because a producer is kind of the person who just kind of sit there and they'll tell you if what you're doing is good or not. And they'll have a lot of ideas on how it sounds and stuff. But Jay is a producer in his own right, he produces lots of bands. So to have your band member be the producer, it kind of just it put us all kind of in the driver's seat. Um, and it was just, it was just like much, much, much less pressure. There was no, like, We weren't staying in hotels. We weren't flying anywhere. We weren't paying someone to be there. It was just, we were just there whenever we had time to make music. And because it was such a relaxed environment the whole way through, because normally, you know, like I said, it can be two months. You say, okay, June, July, we're going to make an album. This kind of happened over the course of a year. And we take like two, three months off then you come back and do more songs. So I think that's how we're going to continue to do it. Like, I don't think bands, well, I'm not going to talk on behalf of other bands, but us, I don't think we need to be like, right, make an al- write an album for a few months, record it, and then tour for 18 months. You can kind of just do both the whole time and you can, you get to spend time at home. So I think it was the time at home while making the album which made it, like, it's great. It just means we're not sleeping in the same place. We're not having breakfast and lunch and dinner together every day. Real life carried on, and this was just something we did during the day for a few hours. And it was like to have that as a luxury it was—it was great. I think we're gonna do it again.
1: Saving Grace is the single, and I was listening to it. It's um, it's a beautiful song. It's really hopeful, and obviously, you know, it's a shitty time at the moment. So uh, I think it's really gonna resonate, you know, with a lot of people. Can you tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind that that song in particular?
2: Um, Well, that song had a bit of a life. So Steve came in one day, like the first day, and he played through a song called Wherever You Are, which was our first single. And then just had the song finished. And he was like, I also had this thing, and it was the chorus from Saving Grace. Um, And we could never nail the song. We couldn't come up with verses, and we could never quite get it right until like, maybe nearly a year later, we came back to it. And when we came back to it, it just had this kind of fresh kind of thing about it. I don't know what it was. Sometimes a song can do that. It can hang around for years, and you can't come up with like another part, and it can just feel incomplete. That was saving grace for a while, and then we just got it. And because we were always very excited about the chorus, and you know the fact that it's kind of such a positive song of being there for somebody, we have a tendency to write a lot of those. Um, we don't set out to make them. Just a lot of times, that's what they end up kind of feeling like to us.
1: I think, like, when Saving Grace comes out, people are going to really... Um, connect with it because of what's going on at the moment with like coronavirus and stuff Mm. you know it's about being there for somebody that you love and obviously you know being close to people at the moment is something that we can't physically do but it's that it's what everybody wants to do you know nobody's talking about well some people are talking about like the fact that we can't get our hair done and all this shite. but mostly people are saying you know we can't hug the people that we (laughs) the people we can't you know we can't hug the people that we love and stuff so i mean a happy coincidence or is that just the power of, you know, writing a, a good song that's going to kind of stand the test of time?
2: Well, it, it, that's, that's all. The fact that our music has come out now and like when I, when I listen to the album now, because it's not released yet, so I, I got kind of enjoy an enjoying album before it gets released. And um, a lot of the songs make way more sense now than they did pre-coronavirus. Yeah. which is mind-blowing because we didn't you know no one saw this coming and we never ever write songs specifically for anything really we always just write songs about how we feel and so even i listened to it there a few days ago and like a lot of the songs in each song was something that kind of it's probably just because everyone's kind of lonely and there is this kind of lack like you said like i haven't given mom a hug in 10 weeks because she went she went to india right at the start of the thing so there was this whole kind of hullabaloo about trying to get her home and even when she came home i was just like oh you know, it's I kind know. of her hand. and I think that missing that human connection is, yeah, I think that's the worst thing. You know, so um, yeah, if our like a, a lot of our fans online are saying that a lot of our songs feel like they were written for now and they yeah. weren't at all, but that's that's just a happy, happy coincidence. Now we did make a video for Saving Grace that we asked fans to send us videos of them in their houses and just what they're up to and stuff. And that made me really emotional because we always make videos for the fans, it's this kind of fans just made a video for us. And it was just totally, like, bizarre but also kind of nice to see into someone's home and, you know, they're singing along for a song or they're just sitting on the couch watching TV and it's like, and they're on the other side of the world. I think that's the only thing that's kind of keeping people somewhat sane is the fact that there's no fear of missing out because yeah. everyone's doing the same thing. The most mundane things become, like, driving to the shop. Holy shit, it's the most exciting thing. It's so it. exciting. <laughs> I try and spend some. I walk around the petrol station as if I'm walking around like H and M looking for clothes. I look at something for like just looking at the macados, being like, nah, you know, just trying to prolong the experience of not being at home. So uh, yeah, it's weird.
1: I know it is. It's weird. It's a di- it's a different world we're in now. And I mean, in terms of you know, I kind of want to ask about the wider music industry slightly because you know we were speaking there about. It being your job and stuff and I've, I've interviewed a few bands over the last few weeks and you know obviously touring and you know gigs and festivals and stuff is a huge amount of uh you know uh, band's income so I mean is it something that's kind of stressing you guys out a little bit or are you both are you more just like well look this is completely out of our control and we're just going to kind of Go with the flow and, and see what happens because I do think that, like, the gig economy is going to be really affected by this in the long run.
2: Um, hugely, yeah. It's 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 a really, really weird time. It's, it's really tough because we're very, very tight with our crew, you know, our working crew, and there's not really much, there's no, just, there's no gigs happening, I don't think, for the foreseeable future. So you're just kind of at the mercy of this thing, and yeah, it, it is stressful, but it's also like. When something is so far out of your control and you can do nothing about it, it's not really worth worrying about. We're just kind of at the mercy of it and we're just kind of waiting for the games to come back. But no, like, to be completely honest, yeah, it's really fucking annoying that, like, our entire year is just kind of on hold. And But so is that, that Like, so is everybody. So it's not like it's poor us. You know, look at us, we can't play the Olympia. You know, we're, like, we understand that we're privileged, but it's just it's gonna probably be the last thing to come back because it's a public gathering. Of, and like the more people, the better for us, you know? So that's kind of, it's gonna com- drastically change. I, I think it will drastically change it for the next kind of couple this is just my thinking, for the next kind of tr- like two, three years. But I think once, hopefully once get, this thing is completely gone with vaccines and stuff, people need, like you need, like David Grohl did this Instagram post yesterday where he talked about the kind of feeling of a concert and like the importance of it and you should he it, nailed it like just that energy of being in a room or like with thousands of people you can't replicate that anywhere and um, but it's also incredibly dangerous to do it at the moment so it's kind of this catch 22 seems to be patient and i think what we can do in the meantime is we can just make more music so we're very lucky in that sense but um there is a lot of bands a lot of festivals a lot of production companies a lot of venues that are going to seriously seriously struggle from now on and um we just don't know even our like even our promoters and our managers are just like we just don't know it's, yeah. it's mind-boggling it's, you just kind of have to is. wait it out
1: um finally before i let you go because i know we're, we're running out of time uh how are you doing how are you feeling because i know you were sick weren't you
2: absolutely fine now um completely back to normal i mean it was just it was so scary at the time because it was just it was just when the news was breaking of how severe and how serious it was, and then to get it like around then, it was kind of scary. But um, luckily, my it never got past like I just I had like no energy and I was just kind of coughing, and so I never had any difficulty breathing. I never went to that next level of needing to go to hospital, which I couldn't imagine what that's like for people. But um, I mean, it was scary, but like my dose was was pretty. It was okay, you know what I mean. But like it's different for everybody. But I'm fine now. But um it's just the worst thing is the the fear of like shit have I given this to somebody in the last kind of ten days and like where have I been I had to go through everywhere I've been and I had to like ring absolutely everyone I was in contact with and you're kind of it's it's you're kind of, it's it, does this guilt that comes with having the virus because you're like, oh shit, what have I done who have I I saw that person ten days ago. I have to ring them and tell them that they might have it. Their father is like, you know, vulnerable. So like, there was a lot of that was more scary than actually having it. Just the the ripple effect of what might have been. But luckily, I got in touch with everyone, and it was And no one else really got affected. So, but that's the scary thing is the guilt. It's it's not actually the actual illness itself. It's like, oh my god, did I passed someone in middle of the day, and did they make them sick? And-
1: well, glad that you're back to full health now and releasing some incredible music so really looking forward to the full album coming out as well and yeah i can't wait for gigs in the probably distant future but it'll come back <laughs> so um really um appreciate your time mark today thank you so much thank
2: you